At the Indian Institute of Science, several timely research and technology development projects have been initiated to address problems arising from the current COVID-19 pandemic. However, due to lockdowns and the reduced functioning of the world overall, the researchers are facing difficulties in disseminating the results of their work. Through this series of informal conversations with some of the researchers and scientists behind some of these projects, we hope to gain an understanding of the what, the how, and the how does this help of some of these fascinating projects. So hello everybody, thank you very much for tuning in. This is part of our podcast series on innovations from the Indian Institute of Science as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And today we have with us Professor Subramaniam. Hi, Subramaniam, how are you? Hello, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good talking to you. I think we were going to have a really interesting conversation because I've read a little bit about, about what you and your team have been up to. Uh, but before we get to that, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, what brought you into this sort of position and how you were excited by this this particular project? Okay, so it's a bit of a long story, actually. So I am a faculty member um, in the aerospace engineering department at the Indian Institute of Science. I've been here for about two years now. So my regular, uh, you know, day job, so to speak, my regular research is broadly in aerodynamics, fluid mechanics, lots of interesting problems, mostly, you know, deriving motivation from flight right. or, or space. So of course, I mean, like everyone else, you know, by the middle of March, and I was uh, really perturbed, you know, because I had never seen like this in my lifetime. Neither had, uh, you know, my parents' generation, really. Yeah. I guess for the last such event, you really have to go back a couple of generations. Beginning of March, I'm trying to recollect the exact date. I think sometime in the second week of March, you know, Karnataka government hit the panic button. And they had asked, you know, all educational institutions to have students sent back home from the hostels and so on. IIC had, uh, you know confirmed to that decision, obviously, and uh, right. we had to uh, get all our hostels evacuated in less than 48 hours. So it was a wow. major logistical challenge. Yes. So there's lots going on, right? And we are all uh, figuring it out. And, uh, you know, sometime towards the beginning of third week of March, began getting all these uh, news stories about like shortage of uh, ventilators in, in Italy yes. and other places. And it yes. was the scenario was looking very grim where, you know, doctors had to make a decision between using a single ventilator across multiple patients and they had to basically pick winners, so to speak, which is uh, yeah, it's, tragic. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's, it's just uh, not a pleasant Yes, I cannot yeah. even imagine what those yeah. uh, doctors and medical care providers were going through. So mm-hmm. all this was happening. So, uh, you know, before COVID, you know, I had a layman's understanding of what a ventilator was. Uh, never really thought about it much. And then, uh, you know, one evening in the third week of March, I get an email from my uh, colleague in electrical engineering, Professor Gaurav Banerjee. So I've known Gaurav for about a year now because we talked about, you know, some other stuff collaborating in the area of radars and, you know, its applications for uh, some flow sensing and so on. So he sort of knew what my expertise was and he also knew that, you know, in the aerospace engineering department, we do a lot of fluid mechanics, fluid dynamics, sort of synonymous with aerodynamics, really. Okay. So I get this email from Gaurav. Uh, Gaurav was really taking the lead in, in uh, you know, he was really thinking about putting together uh, an emergency ventilator. So it, okay. he really uh, got serious about it. And he, he says in this email, like, do you know 
anyone in the aerospace department who will be able to uh, basically help us with the the pneumatics part of it right so essentially a ventilator is, is a device that you know, relies on the fluid mechanics so you have to yeah uh, we'll uh, come back to that right, in, in a bit right. and yes, we'll go into that yes. in detail yeah in detail so then i so just earlier that day you know i was reading all these uh, articles from italy and you know uh, doctors writing their experiences and so on and the moment i saw this email i'm like yes i can do this i mean this is what i'm trained for right? yeah. it's not my regular research but i have a good understanding of fluid mechanics and i can figure this figure these things out so i immediately respond to garo in less than like 2 minutes after seeing that email so he was very excited so we, we did a little bit of back and forth emails and like 1am phone calls to figure out what it is that we will try and do because it was a evolving situation yes. a rapidly evolving situation um so as so at that point garav had also uh, parallelly got in touch with one of his uh, other colleagues in um, electrical engineering or actually it's called dsc so it's a, it's a center for electrical and electronic systems design so is a faculty member here dr prabhakar mm-hmm. so he came on board as well and i the next day i spoke to one of my friends and uh, colleagues in in aerospace engineering dr pratikash panda so i told him about my conversation with garav um, and uh, you know i i told right. him that we were trying to do something together if he was interested in joining us because he has a lot of expertise in in these areas as well broadly in fluid mechanics and related areas so that's how the team sort of really came together four uh, active faculty members at iisc and we also had one of our former retired faculty members professor hs jamadagni again from dsc so okay. he was also involved um right. because garav also spoke okay. with him and he right. he was ready to support us in any way we had one of garav's uh, btech friends actually from iit karakpur who is now an engineer in bangalore who i guess you know he was the first person that garav really spoke to before he came to any first right. so it was basically a team of six people so we did uh, you know a couple of back to back video calls to figure out you know the basics of a ventilator and uh, what it is that we should do and how we can help how we can have an impact so very quickly what we realized was you know we have to fundamentally rethink the way a ventilator is built if we are if we have to be able to do it in a sh- short time at a reasonable cost and most importantly with uh, components that are available within the country Uh, by looking at you know standard ventilator designs whatever we could find online we quickly realized that a lot of these sort of established ventilator designs they use very expensive components in the form of uh, proportional control valves uh, which there you know on handful of manufacturers that only a handful of manufacturers worldwide that make it make right? and right. certainly nobody in india makes these kind of valves and at that point the international supply chains were rapidly snapping and there was already mm. a great demand on this valve so there was no way we could uh, get our hands even on a sample right forget natural consignment or whatever right right so we quickly realized that we really have to uh, you know rack our brains here and and uh, think this from ground up so that is uh, basically where it started whiteboard discussions and iterations on the design and so on so at, at some point we realize i think we have a design that has a very good shot at working so very quickly we got you know some basic hardware whatever we could source so this was still just before the national lockdown just i think the day or two before the national lockdown so we decided to sort of put together a quick bench top setup to verify basic concepts that uh, we had come up with so we had right. used uh, you know domestic ro water filter tanks and, right, and tubing right. and so on just to build the pneumatic yeah. circuit 
and with that we uh, and you know there was already all the measurement uh, equipment was in my lab so you now we basically put everything together on a bench um, i i think there's a deccan herald article that came out i think towards the end of march which shows right. a picture of that little yeah i uh, remember what, reading this yeah. yeah yeah what i now think is a very primitive setup <laughs> but i mean that is where you start right that is how innovation starts i guess it worked you know we got very encouraging results from that and that is when we decided we are like now we are going to go all in because this thing works we just now have to you know refine the design and and do a, a proper you know demo or a proof of concept right. with a medical test lung and verify performance and so on so the basic design was set and we had confidence in it and then of course uh, the lockdown happened right again um, we feared this was going to be a show stopper i would imagine so up to now you were working not remotely so to speak i mean as per yes regular yes. in in offices and in labs and things like that so you yes, had meetings of, uh, right so well um, uh, three of the four faculty members from iic luckily for us we stay on campus uh, on, right. on, on on campus housing so uh, that way it was easy and uh, dr prabhakar would join us on on video but by that point like i said all the students and you know staff everybody had disappeared so it was basically as uh, faculty members we were working like uh, you know graduate students like phd students right. all over again like right. hands on <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that was, that was a yeah very interesting experience certainly. Uh, so coming back again, so the yes. the lockdown happened and uh, we were uh, we were afraid uh, this was the end of the road because seemed like it was going to be a twenty four seven curfew. I mean, which rightly I mean that was of course the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it's course. just that uh, we wanted to help taking all the precautions of course. So we were trying to we were talking to you know IIC administration to see if we can you know get some special permissions from the local police to go around and because at that point we had to. Source a lot of components now. Now that the design was set, we have to get pressure sensors, some particular kind of tubing, uh, solenoid valve, so and some miscellaneous electronic items. A lot of, of stuff course. to source. As a right. whole inventory yeah. of material. most of which we did not have because like i said my regular research is in the field of aerodynamics we have mm. wind tunnels in our lab various kinds of interesting equipment but none of that directly useful to what we are trying to do so we had to go out and buy stuff so luckily a lot of people helped us uh, starting with the institute administration and uh, people outside the institute the local administration the karnataka state government and, and the wow. police and so on so we were able to get these covid passes pretty right. quickly actually and then also we had uh, you know a bangalore based digital infrastructure company who at the time was also looking to do something to help with the covid situation okay so they got to know about our efforts i guess from the deccan herald article so they right. reached out and they are located very close to our campus in the world trade center here in ashwanpur so oh, right. okay any logistical help we are we are very happy to extend so do not waste your time running around the city trying to source components we will do that for you just on a daily basis just let us know what is it that you want and uh, we'll have our team go around the city and you know source components for you That's so that wonderful. you can yeah maximize your time in the lab and get things right. moving so that was a great help so kudos right. to them what which company so then, was this so this is a cogno digital uh, infrastructure private private limited again so they have uh, at least as of today nothing to do as of not today i guess as of that day nothing to do with medical devices they just right, wanted right. to help they just wanted to help so, so they became your personal right. shoppers uh, the project sort shoppers yes, give them a yes. list and they would go and procure it procurement division and also look they have uh, mechanical engineers at their company for ah. the other stuff that they do so even some uh, engineering assistance that we needed here and yes. there uh, they were able to help so any sort of you know assistance so it also became a very uh, good collaboration of sorts because uh, they brought uh, 
complementary sort of skills and uh, logistical support to the table and also uh, at the same time we are you know again uh, largely thanks to gaurav he was also putting together a team uh, beyond us six and that included a, a group of uh, doctors uh, pulmonologists and specialists spread across the country uh, not just yes. bangalore so we would have pretty much daily conference calls with our uh, you know medical volunteer team so that was super helpful Mm. Right, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, these are the folks who will actually use such a device, and they know uh, what it needs to do. So they would tell us what is expected from various such aspects. Such a device, yeah. Such a device, how it actually helps a patient, yeah. and then we as engineers and scientists then think backwards and figure out a way to make it happen. So right. it was a very collaborative uh, effort, which I greatly enjoyed. I I learned a lot along the way. So it was really like could problem you, solving. Yeah, could you sort of? give us one or maybe two examples of let's say you know the brief that they would give you uh, in terms of what the device should or should not do and a little bit about how you sort of craft it sure let me see i mean like with any medical device or medical treatment i guess the place where you start with is do no harm i don't want the <laughs> that makes sense yeah <laughs> and that is uh, terribly important with a device like a ventilator because you should realize that this is actually a, you know what they classify i think as a class 3 risk medical device i mean this is basically if you think of a ventilator right in the worst case it essentially takes on the breathing function for a person who is not able to breathe mm-hmm. so this is extremely critical care right so they emphasize that right at the beginning and that is something we we sort of understood you don't have to be a genius to appreciate that and then we also quickly realized that you know uh, talking to them that uh, lung tissue is actually very sensitive in terms of you know the mechanical strain that it can take so a ventilator has to deliver into a human lung air and oxygen at very carefully regulated pressures because if you even slightly over pressure the lung yeah it will even if it's not a catastrophic you know sort of doesn't you know, burst over but it can do uh, internal damage to the tissue mm-hmm. which is equally dangerous so this is something we you know after speaking to the doctors and they gave us a lot of examples of you know different kinds of patients that treated in there most of these folks were uh, very experienced with, you know 20 30 years of actual practical experience so they gave us a lot of you know examples of patients before covid i mean they treated and they they were also actively keeping track of the aspects of covid specific treatment right, right. so symptoms of right. covid specific patients and what a ventilator uh, should do for covid specific mm-hmm. patients mm-hmm. so to again to come back to this example of you know the pressure so then uh, there when we <coughs> thought of it as an as engineers essentially the problem was this you you have a human lung uh, inside which the pressure cannot exceed a certain value but you do not have the luxury of putting a pressure sensor inside somebody so whatever sensing uh, you do is all inside your device all right but it has to very uh, accurately and precisely fi- figure out what is going on in the lung so we had abstracted the problem to to a, to a engineering and a scientific level and then then we got tracking right so we figured out like how we can do this using mm-hmm. our understanding mm-hmm. of fluid mechanics um and then once we did this uh we again went back to them saying that right. this is the design we have this is the this is the engineering aspect of it and our medical team actually although they don't have formal then not formally trained engineers but there's such good doctors that they could immediately grasp right. the engineering aspects of it and uh, once we saw you know a sign of confidence in their face 
we started to implement it so it was a lot of iterations and you know uh, tuning um, and then at some point when the the whole sort of uh, the basic layout of our uh, ventilator design was on the bench we got uh, uh, a device that's called a ventilator analyzer essentially so this is a, a device that is used in hospitals pretty routinely it's a pretty sophisticated device so what it does is it uh, you will connect the output of a ventilator to it right okay. and it will essentially measure or uh, evaluate ventilator performance so this is what they use periodically in hospitals to check that the ventilator is actually performing well at, so what we understood was especially if some if there's a loss of life on a ventilator so immediately after that you know that ventilator is subjected to this test using an analyzer to make sure that it was not because of the ventilator that that somebody passed away I so see. this is a you know a hospital grade device and again here i should uh, give a shout out to narayana hridayalaya they loaned us this device for so you could actually device. test the the prototype that you were building at various stages right right so at that point it was not even a prototype it was sort of everything was on the bench uh, so it was really a proof of concept Right. so uh, we got two different ventilator analyzers from different manufacturers you know we wanted to be absolutely yeah. sure that yeah. so uh, and we were very happy to see that you know whatever our um, algorithms were predicting you know sort of on the quote unquote ventilator display matched with what the analyzer uh, was measuring so that was a major boost of confidence right so we had uh, cross at that moment we had crossed the proof of concept stage and then now uh, it was a question of sort of uh, packaging all of that into a, a ventilator like uh, chassis machine like a machine, machine. Yeah. yeah so yeah. where we call it a lab prototype so we right. did that and uh, again we connected a medical grade test lung and got the ventilator analysis again and you know double checked triple checked everything so we had i think uh, this was towards the end of may yeah right at the end of may the the full uh, prototype the lab grade prototype was ready which was performing well on a medical grade test lung wow so this whole thing took you how long as in, so you started uh, let's say you got the email on day 1 and then right. you'll had all the whiteboard meetings with your team of 6 for you said 10 yeah. or 12 days yeah two week stops really started going at the beginning of april right and then there was right. like some delays because of lockdown and some logistical sure. issues so we lost a few yeah. days in between here and there but uh, i guess in less than 2 months because the end of may i think may 28 uh, was the day when we like showed with the lab prototype that everything right. works and we made a little uh, sort of release video put it on youtube right is that on the web page as well the iisc web page the release yes. video so the whole effort we called project prana If you go to the Project Prana link on that COVID-19 website, you, there should be a link to the to that YouTube video. And uh, okay, let's go back a little bit to your background. We'll just take a break. Sure. We'll come back to sure. this. So, what exactly is your background? Because you said a lot about space and air. Can you give us a little more, like demystify it just a little bit? Sure. Uh, so, uh, by training and by interest, I'm an aerospace engineer. right since the days when i was a kid growing up in mangalore you know the the best uh, the best time of the year for me was deepavali because we would get all these fireworks you know? and my favorite were these were these rockets and uh, i grew up uh, even outside of the actual city of mangalore uh, you know some 20 kilometers away so there was a right. lot of space for us to fool around mm. uh, you know mm. 
uh, me and my friends would modify these deepavali rockets in now when i look back at it probably not not the safest thing to do but we kid and i remember that was also the period when you know isro really started to take off on the global scene as well we we had like bigger and bigger launches that were coming up and all these launches would be telecast live on doordarshan um so it was a, a very exciting time for me as a as a kid um, right so very early on i decided that uh, i wanted to be an aerospace engineer that that was the thing i think by about and i was in 8th grade or so i mean that was what i i told my dad okay I, i have to be an aerospace engineer so i asked him how do i become an aerospace engineer right so i think at that time really the only places in the country that offered a serious degree in aerospace engineering this was early so 2000s was well, still the iits right, right. Uh, because it was right. sort of a niche area and yeah. uh, not not many institutes in the country were offering uh, undergraduate degrees yeah. in aerospace engineering or right. at least institutes of repute So I figured out okay uh, now I need to get into an IIT <laughs> if I have to be an aerospace engineer that was really really the only shot of me becoming I took the JE quite seriously and uh, you know thankfully managed to to crack it and uh, went to IIT Madras where I got my uh, BTech in um, aerospace engineering wow. right uh, okay. and um, IIT Madras aerospace engineering department is a fantastic place totally oh, um, okay. so uh, at the end of my four years my interest in aerospace engineering only grew and then i decided okay i there's so much more to to learn and so much interesting stuff to do so i decided i want to get a phd in uh, aeronautics so i took a little detour where i first got a masters degree in space engineering uh, okay. and then uh, came back to aeronautics for my phd right. so both masters and aeronautics uh, uh, were at caltech um, okay. in uh, in southern california close to los angeles and then i uh, from after my phd i i moved to the east coast of the us for a couple of years at princeton where i worked as a research associate uh, and then uh, came here to isc uh, to join as faculty in aerospace engineering september 2018 so that is sort of my uh, that's roughly uh, the right background yes fantastic uh, so what brought you back to to india and to isc was it something in particular or was it See, just a natural progression it was for me in my mind it is natural but if i if i have to like pick reasons i two things that come to mind see firstly india especially like bangalore mangalore this is home for me right uh, so home is home always and secondly india is a very exciting place to be especially now i okay. see a lot of opportunity a lot of prospects so um, just the excitement of being able to do um, something at home nothing could beat that <laughs> I'm so glad to hear you say that. I think I think that's very uh, crucial, not advice, but it's it's a crucial perspective for many youngsters today. I think in India to know because there seems to be a sense of loss of hope and, and a lot of uh, you know angst and uh, generally yes. unhappiness with the way things are going, especially with you know the scientific temper as we call right. it. Uh, right. But it's, so it's really nice to hear that, and uh, right. thank you for saying. Yeah I think you know if you of course I can understand some of that I guess the key is to think long term and see uh, the question I asked myself was uh, 20 30 years from now where would I be happy and uh, mm. uh, what would I want to be doing to be happy great so yeah that that is that is I think the paramount question right. uh, <laughs> super so coming to your uh, your specialty in terms of work uh, you know mm-hmm. the reason that that uh, 
you were able to apply all of this learning uh, from IIT and from Caltech and everything into this particular project, this fluid mechanics? Fluid mechanics, fluid dynamics. Fluid dynamics, sorry. They're all synonymous, really, yes. So fluid mechanics is is, a, is, is an area of, uh, you know, if you were to formally classify it, it's an area of classical mechanics, so okay. Newtonian mechanics, where we try and understand how a fluid behaves when it moves. So right. fluid can be anything, air, water. Oh, I see. Right? A right. Fluid. Right. Any gas. Right, 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 right. State of matter that is not solid. So okay. even even plasma can be considered mm. a fluid. Like very high mm. temperature gases, design is this is a fluid basically. With you know there is the additional complications that come in because of the electrodynamic forces. But essentially it, it's a fluid too, right? Mm. Whatever happens in stars instead of stars, a lot of fluid mechanics because there's a lot of stuff, wow. right? Right. Gases. Yes, and, yes, uh, of course. Plasma yes. moving about. Yes. Right? Uh, so, fluid mechanics is an area where you try and understand uh, uh, you know, how a fluid behaves when it moves, what kind of forces it exerts, and uh, what kind of forces exerted on the fluid make it move in a certain way, and so on. Right? So, it's mechanics, fluid motion. And you can imagine um, fluid mechanics is such a, uh, you know, rich and sort of wide ranging area. There's fluid mechanics everywhere. I mean, there's fluid mechanics in your lungs, in your, in your heart, in your body, your you know, blood flows in a certain way. Yeah. Uh, it has to flow in a certain way. Otherwise you are in trouble. You know, the air around us, the atmosphere, there's a lot of fluid yeah. mechanics. And right? ocean currents and wind currents. Ocean currents. And- Right. All of this is fluid mechanics. And uh, like I said, stars, if you just the sheer range of length scales and time scales across which fluid mechanics phenomena happens in this universe is mind boggling. I never thought of stars and oceans and wind and everything all being in the same sort of family of applications, as it were. Yes, yes. Uh, And they're all bound by, you know, the same set of fundamental equations of classical mechanics. And uh, this is a very challenging uh, field uh, of uh, mechanics because the governing equations that I just referred to, they are uh, what we call nonlinear. Right? So the, the solutions or the dynamics of motion is, 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 is very, very complex and very rich. In most of the scenarios that we talked about, the flow or the motion of the fluid becomes what we call turbulent, right? Turbulence. Right, right. So most people know uh, turbulence as something that... Uh, an unpleasant thing that happens when they fly on an aircraft, right? So there, uh, technically, the turbulence is the turbulence in the atmosphere. Mm. But turbulence is everywhere, not just Mm. in the atmosphere, right? So it's a very interesting problem that has kept a lot of uh, researchers and scientists engaged for over 100 years. And uh, there's still more questions than answers in the field of turbulence. So my uh, sort of one of the areas that I specialize in is turbulence. My regular research, I, I look at turbulence mainly motivated by applications in aeronautics and space. We generate specific kind of turbulent flows in wind tunnels and ask questions that are both scientific and engineering. And so it's a mix. Our research is, is, is a mix of you know fundamental scientific questions about turbulence and also engineering questions about how we can mitigate adverse effects of turbulence if we have to and so on. Right. And uh, we have very cool uh, wind tunnel facilities in our department. So in my group, we have wind tunnels that go across sort of the speed range or what we call the Mach number range. So we do uh, low speed uh, wind tunnels 
uh, where the Mach number is below one. Right. And we also work at the other extreme end of uh, hypersonics. So we have a very interesting hypersonic wind tunnel facility in my group, uh, where we look at uh, flows that are traveling at Mach 6 to Mach 10. So six to wow. 10 times the speed of sound. Yes. So That's many cool. The ventilator prototype was built in the lab, in the same lab that houses the hypersonic wind tunnel. In fact, the prototype sits very close to the hypersonic wind tunnel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if there's some kind of larger metaphor there, but we, I'm hoping... No, I, maybe. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I mean, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's up to your listeners, I guess, to... <laughs> yes, to interpret this any way they will. Yes. Great. We've yes. given them a nice image. Yes. So that segues quite nicely into, this is a very uh, prosaic question, but sure. I think it's an important one. So having sort of given us the process of how you all put this together, this project Prana, and also hearing a little bit about your background in fluid dynamics and, and the various applications it has, maybe this is a good time to actually get into what does a ventilator do? As I was uh, alluding to earlier, in the most critical case, the ventilator basically takes over the entire breathing function. So that's the worst case scenario. But a ventilator can also be used in an assistive uh, manner, you know, when the person is is sort of able to breathe on his own, but her own, uh, but not completely. So there's a sort of a a range of functions that a full-blown ventilator is expected to do. So essentially what does is at a very high level, it ensures that your lungs are getting a sufficient supply of oxygen to keep your rest of your bodily functions at a good place. So if you're a healthy person, you know, your lungs do the job just fine and your body uh, receives enough oxygen. And, you know, a healthy person, if you exert yourself through exercise, you see that you breathe faster because you breathe in a lot more volume of air because your body demands a lot more oxygen. But when you're sitting on your couch watching a movie, your body doesn't. So a healthy person, this sort of happens on its own. Now, when a patient is sick and the lungs are not in a good shape, the lungs might not be able to keep up with the oxygen uh, demand. In bad cases, like, uh, you know, what happens in COVID cases, the lung is filled with a lot of mucus. That is uh, one of the symptoms of this uh, COVID uh, virus. And also the lung tissue becomes uh, very stiff, right? So it it loses its flexibility. So as a result, you know, the, the person is not able to breathe in sufficient amount of sufficient volume of air. In such a case, what a ventilator does is two things. So one, it, it sort of gently pushes air in sort of to assist the natural lung muscle function to sort of gently force more air. And also in these cases, it is not sufficient to just force in air. Uh, you have to force in uh, oxygen-rich air. Because so imagine if you are a healthy person and you breathe a certain volume of air, uh, now, in air, only about 21% of air is oxygen. The rest, majority of it is nitrogen and some yes. trace gases, right? But in a diseased lung, the net volume of air that you're able to take in in the first place goes down. But at the same time, you still need to give sufficient oxygen to the body. So if your volume reduces, then the only way you're going to keep that net oxygen at the same level is to increase the concentration of oxygen in, in that uh, smaller volume. So what a ventilator does is it actually enriches air or it mixes you know oxygen with atmospheric air to make it to make the mixture oxygen rich and in a very precisely regulated way delivers it to the patient 
Okay, so now how much in really bad cases the doctor would typically say, okay, you no, know, the air should just be 90-95% oxygen. At that point, you're just going all in oxygen, right? Um, but in other cases, the doctors will decide, okay, for this particular patient, you know, 60% of oxygen is sufficient. So that is that becomes one of the the set points on a ventilator which the doctor will will sort of dial in. It's called uh, FiO2 in medical terminology, fraction of inspired oxygen. And okay. there are there are these other parameters that the ventilator also has to um, control, like uh, you know how much volume of air uh, the patient is breathing in, and then what we discussed earlier about the pressure inside the lung. Yes. So so these are things that you know when a, when a new patient is put on a ventilator, the doctor will put in like key in these settings that he will want the patient to ideally breathe say four liters of uh, enriched air in a minute, and he will say that uh, he or she will say that the lung pressure should not exceed a certain value and he will he or she will set the the doctor will set the FiO2 and the, then the ventilator algorithm has to figure this out and basically supply air to this patient under these prescribed conditions so that is what essentially uh, sort of a high level any doctors listening to this should pardon me if <laughs> if uh, uh, if they yeah. feel it's technically uh, not very precise, but this is sort of a high-level understanding of yeah, uh, right. what a ventilator does. One thing, I mean, it, again, maybe a silly question. I'm sorry. You we haven't really talked about the breathing out. Okay, the that's exhale. a good question. No, it's certainly not silly because uh, any oxygen that you uh, that you send in will you know get converted into CO2 or most of it, and then you you have to take that out. So that is also part of the ventilator function. Right. So the one aspect about when I was describing the various basic parameters that the doctor set in the ventilator, one thing I missed earlier is is exactly this. So what is called the I to E ratio. So inspiration to expiration ratio. Or the other way to uh, think of it is breaths per minute. The doctor will also set for a given I to E ratio, uh, you know, how many breaths per minute the patient should be taking and so on. Right. So the ventilator also controls this. So it Again, there are, uh, you know, different modes of operation. The worst case is where the ventilator takes over uh, takes over the breathing entirely. So you don't even have the natural, um, what's the right word here, the natural um, impulse for your lungs to breathe yeah, in and to breathe, breathe out. Right, right, right. right. So there the ventilator basically, you know, okay, the doctor decides 15 breaths per minute. And uh, for each breath, this, this should be the inspiration time. This should be the expiration time. So the ventilator will adjust the pressures so that, you know, this is happening. But if the patient is, you know, is conscious and has the natural breathing function, then the ventilator will have to adapt to the patient's breathing cycle. When it senses that the patient is going to draw a breath, it should assist that breath. And then it will sense that the patient is now trying to exhale. So it should assist the exhalation process. There's a range of uh, modes and uh, range of, I guess, like different levels of criticality at which the, the ventilator operates depending on the patient condition and what the doctor prescribes for that particular right. patient. And the ventilator from Project Prana does all of this. Like it is a... So the lab prototype of Project Prana can do all these basic modes of ventilation. We have not tested it on an actual human patient, but on a test lung. But it is designed to be able to handle all of this. Because these were the, these were the things that, you know, uh, this was the brief that our medical uh, team basically gave us. I mean, this is what your device should do if, you, if it has to qualify essentially as a ventilator. So the lab prototype, or at least the core technology that we have put into it is capable of doing all this. And this is the first ventilator prototype made in India with all 
Indian components? Is that uh, a fair? During this whole COVID period, a lot of people have been uh, trying different ideas with ventilators. Uh, for, for a while, we tried to keep up with what else was going on in the country and, uh, you know, to see if there were some uh, common areas and so on. But we quickly realized we have to move things along. So we sort of went into a shell. So to be honest, I, I don't entirely know what else people have come up with and to what to what extent they have made progress. But as far as I know, um, again, this, I might be wrong here, but uh, from, from what we know, this is the only effort where we have completely ground up, reimagined what a ventilator should do, came up with a, with a new design that eliminates all those expensive components right. and relies on fairly simple components that are easily available in the country. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Since we spoke about the price of the components, do you have a ballpark of how much this cost you? I mean, in terms of the whole process, of course, that is a complete capital cost and also it's it's time and everything. But if there were to be a ballpark figure placed on manufacturing, for example. Right. See, actually, because the whole idea was to build a low-cost ventilator, we didn't, uh, you know, our uh, capital costs in this whole effort were not uh, that high. Also, because a lot of the uh, you know general electronics equipment was already in the lab and so on, so right. so we had to go out and only get certain components. But if I were to estimate, you know, the cost of all the materials that have gone into the prototype, just the cost, yeah. what what is referred to as a bill of materials, a bomb, that is uh, under a lakh. Uh, certainly under a lakh, we actually didn't sit down and yes, but yes, that's a. I mean, I, I don't know very much about this, but it strikes me as a very very comparably economic option. Yes, and that is by design because uh, if you go to a, a high-end ICU-grade ventilator that you know some of these established players like GE or Philips, uh, any of these people make, uh, which are all imported in this country, unfortunately, they can like cost anywhere between 20 to 40 lakhs. But again, wow. see, because they use more conventional ventilator designs with all these proportional control valves and so on mm. and so forth. And mm. Uh, mm. right. So in our case, by design, we did things very differently to keep right. the, the costs very low, but uh, give, you know, comparable performance. And I think one last question from me in terms of the future prospects of this machine or this endeavor. I mean, does the IISC have any plans to sort of take it forward as an enterprise or as a joint enterprise with see when we when we started off on this on this effort on project prana uh, the idea was to to build uh, an emergency unit and and quickly deploy you know by the time the lab prototype was ready at, at, at that point you know uh, we were in a conference call organized by niti io all different folks across the country who were working on ventilator technology both in academia and industry so from what we could gather uh, from that call, so it appeared that, you know, the government at that point was starting to meet the demand for ventilators across the country, right? So then they wanted the focus to shift towards manufacturing of ventilator components indigenously. Right. So, um, so at that point, it appeared that uh, to us, the need for uh, an emergency ventilator had, had uh, come down. Okay, but... Our thinking has always been, uh, you know, beyond COVID. Of course, we 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 wanted to help during the COVID crisis, and we still want to. And, you know, whatever can be done, we are always uh, ready to uh, pitch in. Uh, but for me, at least, this was a big eye opener. This whole um, COVID crisis about, you know, the, the lack of affordable medical devices in this country. Mm. Just the amount of stuff that we import 
things mm. that we could easily innovate design manufacture in this country that was a big eye opener right ventilator is just uh, one example which you know, it so happened during covid crisis the demand spiked but there are so many other medical devices which we can also uh, think about very seriously like why should this thing be so expensive mm. can mm. we not give the same quality or better quality uh, care at a much right. lower cost right right so uh, we uh, since we you know were able to demonstrate this novel technology we want to see it as an end product so we are uh, certainly not going to let that just hang project prana was officially sort of closed after the prototype development but some of us faculty members still continuing to refine things on the ventilator you know um right. particularly in terms of some of the algorithms and so on we also started you know way back in april uh, discussions with a established industrial house in this country to sort of uh, jointly uh, develop uh, our core technology into a final product wow. an engineered final product that goes through all the uh, medical certifications internationally not just uh, in india so this is uh, ongoing efforts so we hope that uh, you know in the next few months certainly by the end of this year to have a, a final or market ready ventilator product mostly targeted at uh, you know home and ambulatory care a portable ventilator but which can also be used for emergencies in a hospital i mean it it, it is being basically designed to handle various kinds of ventilation uh, requirements so the efforts are still uh, alive but sort of the target has uh, shifted slightly fantastic i mean that's really something so i think i'm done from my end is there anything that you would like to mention anything you feel we've sort of not covered i thought this was a very comprehensive chat yeah. <laughs> and it i, I think took so me too, down yeah. the the memory lane over the last four months because oh, so great. much has happened and yeah. so little time it was a, it was a good chat great thank you how, how do you feel yeah. actually after all this how does it feel <laughs> I mean, did you did you ever think let me put it like this when you were doing you know your iit in chennai did you ever think that all of this stuff about fluid dynamics and, and the aerospace and everything would actually lead you to a point where you were literally helping save life no not to this extent look see i have always uh, had a great uh, appreciation for fluid mechanics just because of the range of things where you know where it matters right i never thought that one day i'll actually build a medical device myself and of course you know in a collaborative way with with others be part of such a team but well i mean that's what life throws at you and you run with it <laughs> that's that's a great quote to end the podcast with actually so life throws at you and you run with it. great thank you so yes. much uh, professor subramaniam for joining us and for this wonderful thank project you. thank you vivek yes and we hope that uh, project prana will soon see the light of day in every way that you wish thank you for listening for more information on this project or on other projects developed at the iisc please visit covid19.iisc.ac.in that's covid19.iisc dot ac dot in